The Guffman News is really big, and uh, I don't truthfully think that the cast understand how big. Um, they don't know the New York thing. They haven't been through it, and I have, you know, so it is kind of on my shoulders. And going to the Big Apple for the first time, you know, is such an experience. You never forget it. It stays with you for your whole life. Me, you know, right out of the Navy, you know, fresh off a destroyer, uh, with a dance belt and a tube of chapstick, basically, you know, not really much to call my own. And then basically being slammed down for 10 or so years, you know, off, 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 off Broadway. And then enough is enough, okay? I get the joke. And is that gonna happen again? I don't know. I mean, and I don't want it to happen again. In my deepest, deepest of hearts, I do not want it to happen again. Mr. Guffman brings with him a reputation, something bigger than anyone in this town has ever known. And if I am to get back to New York City on my terms, I cannot deliver him a stinky product. I really have to be presenting him a package, a beautifully wrapped, glossy, sweet-smelling show. everybody and welcome to the Nightfly with me Dave Jessica how are you oh my god my voice is uh, I'm a little hungover my voice is not great I guess I can tell you exactly why I mean you know I like everyone else I gotta get off the vape so but smoke of the real stuff and that affects my voice that's why I thought the vape was better for you I don't understand what's happening I mean, how is a person supposed to get high these days? You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, what's happening? I thought that was the greatest thing. It doesn't... uh, What's going on here? I must have been shouting and stuff yesterday, too. You know, these... You know, my friend turned 24 yesterday. What are you going to do? Are you not going to celebrate? I mean, come on. What's happening in this world, right? Yeah. A bunch of 24-year-olds at a party. You think Dave Jessica's not going to be there? I haven't missed a party in 10 years. That goes for political parties as well. Yeah, it's me, the Nightfly, and welcome back, everybody, to the show. Last week, we uh, were at the Comedy Cellar with Olga and Elon Altman. And uh, the week before that, of course, regaling you with an unbelievable tale from Los Angeles, where all that shit actually really does happen if you just fly out there. 
you just meet those kind of people along the way. You know, at the supermarket, anywhere. It's unbelievable. It's not right, I tell you. And then uh, and we're back this week. And this week, uh, this podcast will come out after my latest show at the Comedy Cellar. Um, called the big uh, Dave Just Got Butted Eye Show which was supposed to be uh, kind of a Monday Night Football show because the Jets are playing the Browns, and I was gonna, you know, that was going to be the theme. So I was trying to have comics from Cleveland and New York, but um, the only person I knew from Ohio at all, and she's from Cincinnati, is Nikki Glaser, and she couldn't make it. So I don't know what it is now. and That's the thing. I don't even know what it is, and I don't know. I feel like the seller's mad at me or something, and I know they're not. I know I'm crazy, but they didn't give me an October date, and that's, of course, making me... A little nervous. I mean, those dates is uh, that's that's how we uh, make money now. But uh, you know, something else will will work itself out, and and, and everything will be fine, right? And you know, maybe I'll I'll get a lot of um, money for Hanukkah, so I can look forward to that. I think you remember you used to do that as a kid. I'm like, well, I got my birthday coming up, so I'll make some money then. <laughs> you know, my aunt Judy will give me. 50 bucks, and she gives to me and the owner of the New Jersey Devils. Every year for her birthday, we get 50 bucks. It doesn't matter how much you make or how little you make, you're going to get 50 bucks from Aunt Judy. That's what you get. I'm pretty sure my uh, cousin, as he's, um, you know, at the, at the draft for the Devils or signing the papers to own the Prudential Center, says, Aunt Judy, I don't need the money anymore. She's like, no, no, this is the way it goes. You'll take that money and you'll like it. I mean, it's exactly like that Seinfeld episode where Jerry can start cashing his grandmother's old checks. (laughs) I don't want to cash those checks. Jerry, she expects you to cash them. I haven't had that account for years. But yeah, I went to a party last night in the studio apartment from a girl who's, I think, only 23. Or she even 24. I don't know. I know I hang out with these young kids. But what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm a single man hanging out in the city. Who am I supposed to hang out with? You think 50-year-olds party that way? Sometimes they do. I guess we did at uh, Sarah's place. So that was kind of fun. So, yeah, I guess I mix it up, and sometimes you just, um, you know, it's just when you tell people they get upset. It's kind of funny. I mean, what's the difference? What's the difference? It's There is no difference. It's just, uh, but the smart thing about being a little older than the uh, the kids last night is that when they were like, "Hey, let's go to this other place," I uh, secretly cut out because I always I know now being older. What have I learned? Is that the next place always sucks. So I will take my fear of missing out and put it in my pocket and walk out that door without telling anybody. Make the harsh bail, and then the next morning, like, "Hey, what happened to Judd Scout?" I'll be like, oh, yeah, no, I, uh, I I had to go, uh, whatever. But actually, that girl called this morning, my friend Caitlin from the, off, from the old office, and said, uh, where'd you go? And I'm like, no, I just always know the second place is not cool. <laughs> I was going to be honest with her. And she's like, well, you, this is all I ever wanted to hear, the exact opposite of that Sarah time with Lindsay Lohan. Uh, she goes, yeah, well, we went to that place. It turned out you made the right choice. It was closed. And then we were all just wandering the streets, not knowing where to go. And I'm like, oh, my God, that makes me so happy. And then we just Ubered over to actually to my neighborhood where she lives now. And they went to another bar. I so made the right choice. 
And I left. I had some friends that were up the street, so I had another drink at the bar. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Now listen to this. So uh, on Thursday night, I did the roast battle. I judged the roast battle at the New York Comedy Club, as I am apt to do on occasion when asked by the owner of the New York Comedy Club, who his name is Emilio, and he's very nice and been very nice to me. I mean, I'm trying to get spots there, but uh, that'll come with time. He's got to, you know, he's got to let the booker do her job. And we had a nice little chat last week, so maybe this, uh, maybe October will be uh, the Dave Juskow month. But whatever that may be, so I have, uh, Caitlin asked me if I had a table because uh, we were going to go to this girl's rooftop on 23rd Street. She asked me if I have a table so that, uh, you know, I'm like, do you have a folding table? I'm like, I actually do have a folding table that we use for tailgating. It's long. And then, you know, she told me, well, we're, we want to play beer pong. And, but she didn't tell me that until I delivered. I'm like, well, you didn't tell me you needed a beer pong table. But anyway, I put, it was my nephew's birthday on Friday the 13th. This coming out, what, the 17th. And, of course, we always go to Pizza Hut. And this kid is such a mess. He said it's going to be Saturday. Then he said it's going to be Sunday. Then it was Friday. His actual birthday. Then it was Thursday. It was so driving me crazy. And I had this party on Friday night because her birthday is on the 13th. Um, and Billy's having a party tonight. I'm taping this on Saturday the 14th. Um, which I, it was so hard to get going, too, because I just, you know, like, I guess I woke up at, like, eight and then i just was like Bleh. and then i i was like no i gotta go back to bed i can't concentrate i know i want to do the podcast today but i cannot concentrate i gotta get a little more sleep and then i woke up at two and then i ate something and then i watched a little more tv i'm like no i gotta do the podcast like i don't want the podcast to be a chore because after i do it i'm always really happy about it and i really enjoy doing it but i don't know it felt i was just like what am i gonna do it because you know then tomorrow's you know football and i got a show at five and then monday is my show so although i could probably totally do it on monday i just i gotta concentrate on the show and what what does that mean i have no idea but anyway we it was uh billy's uh birthday so we had to go to pizza Hut on thursday night and that was the night of the roast and you know i mean i want to stuff myself when i go to pizza Hut. now I'm, i mean i'm just getting so fat i was losing weight and now it's just bad i'm spending so much money i am in a downward spiral of just not concentrating on what I should be. I'm not in a bad place, although, you know, I will tell you I did write this thing just to get writing. I mean, it's kind of a new joke I'm working on, but I'm like, yeah, I, uh, you know, I just, I got to, you know, I got to get, ever since I lost my job, I just got to write every day. I got to get right. So I, I just wrote like a suicide note. Uh, the other day, which I considered writing, it actually made me feel better. I just wrote stuff, not as soon as I know, but just like how I was feeling. And then I was like, "This is funny because at least, at least I'm writing." You know, it's well, it's the last thing I'll ever write. No, but it's um, you know, that's way I, I don't know, I got to work that into something. It's kind of funny, I guess. I was telling somebody the other day, but I mean, I'm not feeling bad. I'm just a little nervous. I don't know. I think we talked about this, but I mean, I kind of gave myself the summer till September 1st to not really think about much. And then now it being September 17th, I'm a little panicked. I'm a little panicked. So it's not as free and easy as uh, as the summer was, you know. So anyway, uh, you know, we go to pizza, and I'm always going to order the Super Supreme medium pizza because, you know, I just, nobody, my family doesn't want it, but that has all the toppings. You go to pizza once a year, 
Hey, you want to do it? So um, about a week ago, my friend Evan from Live PD called me. He said, do you want to have lunch? And apparently he works right next to the Red Lobster in Times Square. And I'm like, well, there's a place I only go every 20 years. So I ate ridiculous. You know, I had to have everything because I'm never going to be there for another 25, 20 years. And uh, I mean, I assume, by the way, I'm eating. I won't make it there again. But uh, <laughs> but, you know, I got to I got to go in there and try everything. This guy. He has a Caesar salad and a glass of water, and I was hoping we were going to split the check. And I'm like, I can't make him even pay for anything. He had a glass of water and a salad. I ate a $36 meal, and then I added on stuff, you know, appetizer stuff. And let me tell you, Red Lobster is exactly like it was 20 years ago. It's so disappointing. Everything you have where you think, you know, I love lobsters, my favorite food, but not from Red Lobster. I don't know what they do to it. I mean, it was still, I can't say it was satisfying. It's just, it's all missing something. It's all the stuff I like, but yet it's like flavorless. It's hard to explain, but I guess you guys know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows. I mean, that's why you make fun of Red Lobster. I mean, it's just stupid. But uh, it's nice and big. You know, it's, that Times Square one is obviously a tourist trap, so it's double the price of any other Red Lobster anywhere. But it was fun to go, I guess. <laughs> Ridiculous. I spent so much money. At Red Lobster, they do the same thing pizza. And I'm like, oh, I'm here once a year. We're gonna have this pizza. Then my nephew orders these breadsticks, and then, you know all the carbs you could possibly eat. Then dessert, and then I had to, uh, you know, drive Dory back and forth from college. And I, I, you know, but I was okay. I don't know. I didn't have a stomachache or anything. I was very nervous because then I knew I had to judge the roast battle, and usually that driving in back and forth to the city gives me a stomachache alone without even eating. Just driving back. I mean, if you guys don't live in the city, I know a lot of you who listen don't. You live in a suburb. You live in, what, Idaho or other places or, you know, North Carolina. So, you know, if you're not in New York City, then, you know, I've I've explained this before. Just, you know, when you're in the city, it's not that big a deal. But when you leave the city, it's a, for me, it's a huge relief and it's a clearing of the head and, it's like I feel better. I'm outside and there's room and I can spin my arms around, you know, and like in the sound of music, I feel like even like, you know, when I'm at, that's why I like going to the Giants game so much. When I'm at the tailgate in the parking lot, I feel like I can do a sound of music like spin on a mountain. That's how much room I feel I have in a stupid parking lot because we're so crammed in here. So when I'm driving, I, 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 I always take so much time driving around and stopping for things in Jersey because I never want to come back. Because the stress of coming back, just even getting on the turnpike, knowing it's just going to be, it's a, it's a good thing that it's a straight shot, but it's just, it's just, there's no way to stop. You know, if you get your, if your car's screwed, you're screwed and, you know, you're just going in and it's just going to get more traffic filled and more traffic filled, like you're, you know, sometimes I like driving on like Route One and stopping a little bit because it's just it just gets the lanes get smaller and then they stuff you in that tube and then you're going in. And so it's the stress of when I see the city on the horizon of the turnpike, I start to get uh, stressed because I'm like, how the hell am I going to get in there? How am I going to fit my car and me? How am I getting to that island? It just seems so stressful in my head. No matter whatever, whether I'm on a bus or whatever, I'm like, how's this going to happen? You know, and then you get out of the Lincoln Tunnel and you are just in it. 
You know, it's just chaos coming out of the tunnel and you're just in it. You're just in it. You're on, you're in Times Square. And it's just so, uh, oh. And then once you make the right-hand turn on 10th Avenue, I'm like, eh, hey, we're back. Oh, oh. I'll park this thing and then everything will be like it. Uh, the whole thing never happens. Beautiful. And everything's back to normal. But the stress of coming back sometimes, especially when you know you got something to do. I'm just not, you know, I'm still not in the complete mode of like, what are you worried about? You know, you got nothing. You don't have to work or anything. Why don't you go out? What are you doing? Why can't you go out late? I'm thinking about, uh, well, let me tell you this first. Let me, one thing at a time. So anyway, I go to the roast battle and it's super fun and I'm judging and, you know, I take my stolen stuff off the internet. I told you that's how I, I just steal jokes off the internet because I don't have any jokes. So I steal them and I try and make them my own. Seems like nobody seems to notice, thank God, so whatever. And it's a it's a hot crowd. The crowd was cool. Everybody was fun. And I just do the best I can to keep up. This, you know, the girl from who I'm th- I'm going to have her on the podcast. Uh, there's a girl, her name is Karen Fisher. She's very outspoken, uh, for, but she's on the one of the most popular podcasts around called Guys We Fucked. So she's kind of a living legend in podcast history, and we become friendly. And she's very good. At judging the roast, she takes it very seriously. I like that. And then Matt Richards from HQ, who I love, and he's really funny too. You know him and Yamanika; they can, you know, do the black stuff, which you know gets the crowd going. You know, whatever they're doing, they're like, "Son," you know, <laughs> you know, they got the voice and the attitude and the the big laughs. You know, uh, as I, you know, I'm trying not to make it sound racist, but uh, I suppose it does because apparently everything is. Can't say a damn thing anymore. So uh, it was so funny. During the roast, there was these two guys, and they were Mike Bichetti was one of the guys. And uh, you know, you you dying to use the word retard, and uh, they did. I didn't even use it because I've been afraid to use it, even though I love it. Only comes from the Rocky thing. So retard, you take it as a zoo. But uh, yeah, they were they were using it because like they. But everybody's so afraid. It's so horrible. It's so difficult to be having a good time funny anymore. Everybody's so nitpicking. Uh, this new guy on Saturday Night Live, they're all talking about how he's, I mean, they, you know, they, they said, oh, in his past podcast, he's really made some anti-gay and racist comics. Well, folks, we are in big trouble if I ever make it to anywhere. And they uh, <laughs> They turn back here or they listen to Artie's show or the Anthony Cumia show. This is what's going to happen when, if and when I run for Manhattan Borough President, they'll come back and he's like, he's done all these things. So I guess my uh, plan will be to say like, eh, yeah, so what? That's probably the best way to go. I don't feel like apologizing. Let's see what happens if I can try and uh, let's see what happens when somebody doesn't apologize and you just say, yeah, I said those things, uh, you know, well, I, I say, I'm sorry, but what do you want? You know, I'm doing the best I can do. Hey. You know, it was all meant as a joke, and I apologize. Hey, hey. Now, let's, and again, I say, you know, if that's all you got on me, uh, I think we're all good. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to handle that kind of stuff. I guess when it happens, it must be soul-crushing. I mean, I, I I don't like this guy's look. I don't know his name. He's new on Saturday Night Live. He looks like a complete doofus, and I couldn't care less about this guy. And I'm obviously jealous that he's on Saturday Live, even though I'm not jealous of that kind of stuff anymore because I'm so old. But uh, I, I don't want him to get taken off because of that. 
I want him to get taken off because he raped somebody, you know, like Antonio Brown, which is so crazy, too. I wonder what they're going to find out about that. Oh, boy, what a world we live in. You know, how can I not feel bad for that guy? And I'm like, maybe he raped her, but nobody knows. Oh, it's so difficult. I mean, you know, you want these girls to come out and say what actually happened, but it's getting out of control. You know why? Because of the girl that did that to me at my job. That's the problem, is you have a bunch of people like that who are just looking for a payout. So they're like, you know, here's here, here's what happened to me, and they're and you know the managing partner sitting there going, uh, "Well, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to fire him?" And she's like, "No," because she was looking for a payout. This is the information that I have received, um, which I obviously knew because I knew I didn't do anything wrong. As a matter of fact, folks, I went to the bar and questioned that. Just I, the first time back with Audrey the other night, uh, the bar where I made the move on the receptionist, which was funny there because I, uh, you know, Audrey knows everything and everybody knows everything. And, and, and remember how embarrassing it is for me when I have to tell people that. But, you know, I mean, that's what makes it interesting. I'm like, yeah, I tried to kiss the receptionist. I mean, it's like, you know, it's so humiliating, but, you know, that's why it's better to just be truthful about it and then people tend to believe it because like well why would he why would he put himself in that position and look like an asshole if it wasn't true so anyway i went back to the bar that same waitress the bartender was there and i'm like do you remember me you know the last time i was here she goes yeah i remember you were sitting right over there with that girl what happened and i'm like uh oh my god you're not gonna believe what happened uh i got me too at my job she said you know i tried to kiss her and uh which i you know i did and then she's like yeah i I saw you guys being cozy, and I was like, yeah. It was, I'm like, do you have security cameras here? Um, and she was even like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I mean, she seemed a little crazy, but, uh, you know, you guys seemed okay. Like, uh, you know, the bartender was there when the whole thing happened, and she remembered. And uh, it, was, it was just really funny, so she was cool. I told her the whole story, and, you know, that's funny too. You know, even the bartender who was there that night is like, what? you didn't even do anything. In fact, she she looked like a crazy person coming back from the bathroom. And I'm like, yes, she's crazy. But uh, if the bartender can back up your story that where it happened, then that's, well, why am I fired? Excellent question. We should have called her in. And that's the issue, isn't it? I didn't go to the cops. I should Maybe I should have gone to the cops. I should have accused her of accusing me. You take it to the cops, then there's a real investigation. And this is the problem with Antonio Brown. They're like, there's, there's been no criminal charges. We don't know who this girl told. I'm not taking anything away from her, but I'm saying the person that did this to me is the reason why everybody is taking a second look where normally he would probably just be brought up on charges. People would completely believe this girl, but then there's people like this horrible woman who did this to me who's just full of crap. And everything she was doing just for some sort of payout, I guess, we're all assuming, some sort of setup. And then it ruins the people it really happened to. So that makes her the worst person ever. Maybe I'll disclose her name one day because I really just don't give a shit. I'm like, you know, what are you going to do? I don't know what's going to happen to me. I really just don't give a shit anymore, obviously. I'm having a good time. That's the most important thing. 
I'm having a good time. Anyway, do the roast battle, right? And I hang out, and I'm hanging out with the owner, and I said, I'll give you a ride home. But first, we got to stop at my friend's house, drop off a folding table, a 30 case of beer, and a case of, uh, what is that new, White Claw that everybody's talking about, the new hard seltzer that is sweeping the nation as if it's like a, a, a Big Mac from McDonald's that just got introduced. Oh, they, they now sell chicken McNuggets. I mean, this White Claw is like sick. It's going crazy. It just cut, came out of nowhere. Now everybody wants it and they sell it at every bar. Boy, don't you wish you got into the ground floor of that. Hard seltzer, the most obvious thing in the entire planet. Girls worship it. So smart. And they just sell it in cans at the bar. They don't even bother doing it. They just sell it in cans. Even, and, and the guys are drinking it too. It's very smart. No calories. The perfect way to get drunk and not, uh, you know, I like beer. This is bad. I should switch to White Claw. Come on. <laughs> Only chicks drink White Claw, right? Uh, so, the, but the, it's so funny when, you know, when I got to the party yesterday and I was like telling him, I'm like, yeah, the owner of the New York Comedy Club helped me with the party. <laughs> like he, at three in the morning, we went to this girl's house and dropped it off with her doorman. I mean, that was so kind of him. It's just so funny when you think about it. I keep thinking, I keep thinking in 1988, um, and maybe I've told you this story before, I was friends with a guy named Steve O. It is not the Steve O from Jackass. It was a comedian named Steve O. We're still friends to this very day, and he is the best. And he was a national headlining comic. He was on Star Search. He was the one who beat Jackie Martling on Star Search. And so I hated him because, you know, Jackie was the guy because he was on Howard Stern. Now I know Jackie is a fucking fool and a moron. But in the day, I'm like, oh, this guy beat Jackie. And then I remember when they, Howard had the first pay-per-view special. I think it was the underwear and lingerie party, you know, back maybe in the 80s. Jackie got another chance to, com to compete with this guy, Steve-O. And I remember thinking, I hate this guy, Steve-O. He's a pretty boy, you know, whatever. But this guy, Steve-O, beat, I mean, he beat the shit out of Jackie joke Why Jackie just looked stupid, and everyone knew, including Steve-O, that the entire thing was fixed and that Jackie was going to win, and Howard was so embarrassed, he's like, hey, you're lucky you fucking won, you jerk off. He's so mad at Jackie because he's so horrible, and Steve-O won the crowd over. I mean, they were sitting there booing and booing, and he won the crowd over because that's how talented he was. And and uh, charismatic in his comedy, he was terrific. So I hated him for a long time. But then, you know, like everyone else in Howard Stern world, we started to respect him because he he, he went there knowing full well what was going to happen. And he won the crowd over. It's unbelievable. So in 1988, my sister was graduating GW, George Washington University, and my friend Joe Salabi uh, was putting on a show around my neighbor where I grew up, that where I used to work with Ray Romano all the time and stuff. He, he used to run a show. Salabi's East Coast Comedy. And he ran a show at a place like where I grew up, like right around where I used to work. Captain G's, it was called. And he was doing a comedy show at a restaurant. And Steve-O was going to be the headlining act. He goes, can you do me a favor? If you're going to be in D.C. anyway, uh, going to your sister's graduation and all that kind of stuff, and can you pick up Steve-O and drive him to the gig? You know, because you're going to host. And I'm like, Sure. Because Steve-O was working at the D.C. Improv or something at the time. So I, so that night I get there, 
with my parents, I guess. But then I went out by myself to the club to see Steve. And that's where we met for the first time. I saw his show and he was unbelievable. I mean, this guy was so, I was just talking about this the other day. This guy was so cocky. He was so cocky. When he finished, he came back for an encore. I'd never seen a comic do that before. The audience was like, and then he would come back like, oh, I guess I'll do some more. And he had this prepared encore material, which was about Bugs Bunny. And I remember being like, look at this guy. Is he kidding? Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, and then the next day was my sister's graduation. So, uh, and the girl I was, uh, my sister's roommate who I was dating was the commencement speaker. So where's my James Bond music? So, um, you know, we saw that. And then that day, Beth was moving out of her dorm and I was trying to, I was driving Steve, but my dad was there and they were helping her pack up the car. And I was with Steve and he met my parents and it was very exciting for me because he was a huge star as far as me and my parents were concerned, even if they didn't know who he was, I told them how big he was. I said, listen, this guy, you know, he's a national headlight, he's on Star Search, he's on Howard Stern. I mean, this guy is is the shit. It's amazing that I'm friendly with this guy in 1988. And my dad's like, well, can you put him to work? Can he at least move something? Can he give us a hand? Is this guy, what, is he crippled? <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, you don't ask a man like Steve-O to back or move a package. Like, uh, but he didn't mind at all. He was totally cool. And he, you know, it was just funny. He totally helped out. And it was unbelievable. And it just reminded me of the same thing that just happened where, you know, I have this guy who I, you know, think is the greatest and, you know, like a big star. And he's helping my sister move out of her door. My sister was such a bitch that day, too. She, like, wasn't even friendly or nice to anybody. It was so classic, Beth. She just couldn't wait to get out of that. She hated school. She's just like Dory. Just like Dory. It's so funny. Where does that thing come from, Dory? Why is she like that? Because her mother's the exact same way. It's so funny. Mm. And then we uh, drove home, listened to 80s metal, maybe did some drugs, I think, and we just became... Such fast friends to this day. So what, 80, so what is that, 80, 98 to, the, yeah, 30 years. Been friends for 30 goddamn years. Um, Yeah. Usually when I'm out in California, I see him sometimes, but some, you got to go to Simi Valley to see him and uh, like that. But anyway, yeah, so that's what it was uh, reminded me of when Emilio, the owner of the New York Comedy Club, was helping me load up, you know, a party for a bunch of 24-year-olds. It was like... uh. I don't know, it just reminded me of that nonsense. And then I was going to tell you something else because I was, I don't remember. Because the days are fusing together because we haven't um, done a podcast in like, what, two, three weeks maybe. I mean, you know, I had that other one but in between, but I mean for you and me so we can discuss stuff. And so, well, let's, for, I mean, we'll go, we'll go back to some stuff, but I want to talk about Eddie Money for a second. He just died yesterday when recording this again on Saturday. Ironic, I was, uh, three people that I love were born on the 13th, and one person I love died on the 13th of September. I think he died on the 13th. Uh, Jeff Ross, birthday also. Jeff Ross, uh, the roast will be have already gone on when you hear this, and I'm, I'm trying to put a party together. I think that's what I was talking about. I'm thinking about having a party here because Elon's joke definitely got on the roast. We saw it in the paper. They even quoted it. 
So it's exciting. So I might, you know, as his manager now, uh, I might throw a party at my house. But I haven't thrown a party at my house in like 20 years. So I don't know. It starts at 10. That's a little late for a party on a Sunday during football season. Anyway, um, I just wanted to talk about Eddie Money because it's so weird and funny. This guy has influenced my life. I know it seems weird. For so long, I mean, you know, his first album came out in 77. So, yeah, for so long. And you figure he had a really good, solid 20-year run off and on, you know, like, um, because if you take the Take Me Home Tonight, that's 10 years later after his first. That's when he was already irrelevant and he made a comeback in 86 with that, you know. And it's so funny. My friend Lee texted me the other day and he told me about Eddie Money. And I guess he remembered because this is what when people used to ask me, you know, what do you want out of your life? I... Oh, my answer was always, I want to be Eddie Money Famous. That was my answer. I want to be Eddie Money Famous. I, you know, I, I for me, I wouldn't want to be any other way except somewhere like, oh, I, I've heard of that guy. And I know a few of his songs. Now, I don't have songs, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, I've heard of that guy. I've seen him on TV sometimes. You know, well, I mean, technically at this point, I probably am Eddie Money Famous, but I, but that was the pinnacle, I figure, you know, it's like, here's a guy, he could, you know, he can, he can go out, no one cares, it's Eddie Money, hey, he's okay, he's got a, I mean, I love his songs, and everybody likes one Eddie Money song, there's not one person that doesn't like one Eddie Money song, he's got a lot, he made a lot of hits, and the one we played at the beginning is like one of my favorites because I just like the keyboard opening. Oh, no, no, we, I'm sorry. We played uh, the big crash at the beginning. But, you know, this, I didn't want to play this at the beginning because it's a little, because it's sad because he's dead now. But like this, the way the, uh, I just like the, I always like the opening of this song. I like it much better than Two Tickets to Paradise. And I like when the keyboard goes up in the next. Tickets to Paradise is, you know, who cares? I never cared for it. But I, you know, I totally remember these songs just growing up. This is off his first album, I think. It was an amazing uh, self-titled album. And he used to use piano a lot, too. I don't know whether he played, but, you know, I'm always up for that. It's, it's not going up yet. It takes it to that, takes it to that next level. He takes it to 11. I like that. I guess it's a key change, but is it? I don't know. I don't want to miss it, so I don't want to skip around. Should I try? Maybe it'll come up now. This might be it. Yeah, there it is. I don't know why that works for me. Every time there's something about it that just was like, oh, he did what? 
<laughs> when I first heard it, I loved it. And uh, he was so good. And then, um, you know, then he, uh, you know, I mean, he, I just remember, I remember my uh, friend like in junior high used to see all the concerts. But the reason why I'm also mentioning is because two weeks ago, when I looked it up, when somebody, I guess, said something or somebody had written a text and I thought they were kidding, I, you know, I Googled Eddie Money to see if it was real. And in my, past history for the last two weeks was Eddie Money Tour. I mean, two weeks ago, while I was in bed, I was like, you know, I'd really like to see Eddie Money on tour. And he was touring with Rick Springfield, but not in this area. But I just looked him up two weeks ago because I, I wanted to catch him before he Tom Petty'd over and, uh, you know, I didn't get to see him. And it was just, I'd never seen him in concert before. And it's like, I had just been playing his music non-stop ever since i've gotten spotify you know i mean i i've just been playing and that no control album was sick because that came out at the perfect time for me where you know i was driving and you know i mean what's better than this song nothing this is the one i like to pretend i wrote If you start a song with ooh, I'm on board. Ooh. I like that. And let's face it, it 83 rocks. I mean, it's a classic. And off that album, too, I remember it wasn't very good, but he's just such such a punk, you know? It's like his voice wasn't that good, but there was something awesome. He was a party guy. I mean, everything, every song about him, every album cover was just like... In fact, the next album, I believe, is called Where's the Party? And the way he dresses, too, in the jacket and tie, he looks good. And then uh, this, uh, you know, this song is stupid, but the video was dumb, too, but... He was just such an idiot, you know, <laughs> like, but he wrote good songs. I didn't love this song, but it's just, it's not like something I would, I was listening to, but. remember it too because i think the video had him in a car with a girl and he was trying to act and i remember being this guy's hilarious he's hilarious and he writes really funny songs and then sometimes really good songs like he writes funny songs but he also can write a good ballad or or a good song that has some meaning i i just think he's really talented so yeah the next album was called where's the party and i and the song i played up front i've been playing non-stop 
on when I first got Spotify and then when I go to LA and drive in the car and it's just because well, let me tell you why and I, I should damn it uh so when I was doing the Willy Wonka rock opera and I wrote this one song I wrote it like an Eddie Money song what is it? how did it go I got I got to get it for you I have it um and then I rewrote it with this guy, and he just didn't put the lyrics in, but I'll play it for you. And the words were, she's going to get me into a fight. She's on a whirlwind. It was about uh, Veruca Salt. Um, she's on a whirlwind tonight. And she'll probably get me into a fight, you know, something like that. I mean, I could just picture Eddie Money playing those lyrics. And so I based... My song, just like we were doing the Cars movie, and I based those songs off certain things. When I wrote my own song, I was picturing an Eddie Money song for this particular song. Because like, I just thought, he just made, you know, you couldn't you see him doing a lyric? You'll probably get me into a fight. I'll get the song next week if I can remember. But, uh, yeah, this is the, because this is the, I mean, I, I must have just... I don't remember hearing this song before they had Spotify on the internet when I wrote it, but I must have taken it from this because it's it's just well, she's always been a good, good girl. Right? Always been a good good girl. She's always lived in for the big crash she's running with the white trash i mean i don't know why but that song <laughs> was hilarious and uh just abs- only eddie money could do a song like that which made him an interesting guy because uh i don't know it's kind of like um there's a situation i'll tell you between rachel feinstein and olga our friend now where rachel thinks that olga stole a joke of hers but that would be impossible because Olga really has her own thing that only joke she can do from her experience of living in this community she lived in and 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 the marriage she was in and and that kind of stuff. So it's like this guy any money. I mean, he's just all he's talking about is partying and and see like the 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 album cover I remember for Where's the Party is just him on the phone clearly looking for a party <laughs> this guy just writes party songs and i like this one too it's really it's very 80s but it totally sounds like an 80s but it just uh, it doesn't sound like a song he would write it's called club michelle i think it was the second hit off that album i like his whispering Did you see this in, uh, I don't know, like uh, 48 Hours or somewhere? What, what, what's that uh, Billy Crystal, Gregory Hines movie where they're cops? Yeah, whatever that sound is, I like.
I like that one too. And then, uh, so then, you know, three years later, I guess, I mean, so that, that album didn't do good except for Dave Juskow, you know, and fans. But then, you know, he did the Can't Hold Back album in 86, which had Take Me Home Tonight, which was just, you know, a ridiculous smash, which put him on, you would think, another level, but it didn't. It just brought him back to where he was in between hits. Uh, of albums but yeah i mean people you know the the video and everything i mean that just you know you would think turned it around but i mean he was i mean you know besides me knowing his stuff he was really never heard from again after that actually on that same album he had a really good song which i don't like to play because it um makes me uh it's a good ballad but i remember thinking i would like to make a video for this which he had but um i used to play it i guess when i was sad and he uh when I first moved into the city. It was a hit. that keyboard it goes that's what i used to be able to play on the keyboard you know on my little red casio guitar that's my favorite thing when somebody does that too and then of course he had the you know these are the stupid ones but i always just (laughs) he's like not heavy metal but it's just a party Love those keep those little Paul Shaver keyboards. One of the songs, one of the songs, like you definitely know the chorus, but you didn't know it was this song, or you didn't know it was him. Maybe. Oh, and there it goes. I think it goes. I haven't heard it in years. But I just remember it. I think it goes. Bye 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 bye, baby. I think this is that song. Yeah, I just I remember that one really well, and um, just uh, <laughs> but then he made was that the greatest hits one was next I think and if if it, 
Oh, I guess not. I I thought I thought he made a greatest hits one after that, but no, I guess the next one was was this one and this one was really good and almost, I thought kind of like an anthem and I was surprised it didn't do better. I remember it was a follow-up to uh well, if I could walk on water, and if I could find some way to prove if I could walk on water to believe in me my love is so true got something to like fill the uh, space where it's going nowhere like i don't know i really liked the guy a lot and um i thought he was terrific and i am very upset that he is dead because i really really uh enjoyed his music and you know i just i mean what's funnier than just the guy and, but but i do remember and this and this is why he died at 70 i can tell you exactly because I, I think about this all the time it's so weird how influential he was on my life or the way I would think about him on a daily basis. It's just so strange. I remember him on Letterman once, and I don't remember when it was, and I think it was before Can't Hold Back, so I'm going to say it during Where's the Party. And and maybe he was singing uh, The Big Crash or whatever it was on Letterman. And I'm sure I could look it up. I just forgot. And he comes out, and they're like, Eddie Money, I'll never forget this. And he comes out, and they start the band, and he, and he the, the band begins... And it's not like he was there already. He walks out from the curtain, takes a puff of his cigarette, flicks the cigarette, you know, in at Paul Schaefer, not on purpose, you know, he just flicks it away and then starts singing. And I always thought about that because, number one, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen and the stupidest thing I've ever seen because it drives me crazy. And I know you guys, are, I mean, you're going to make fun of me because, you know, I keep smoking, whatever, not cigarettes, though. Uh, you know, it drives me crazy when I see Billy Joel uh, smoking or even Madonna, people that have, Madonna doesn't get, but I mean, people that have these wonderful voices like Billy Joel clearly has, and they're just smoking away, smoking away and ruining their voice, and yet it doesn't ruin it. They can still hit some of those notes, and it drives me crazy because one puff of something for me, I lose my voice for an entire day. I can barely get, I don't even know how I would headline two shows at a comedy club because I tend to lose my voice within a half hour from not even smoking. 
So when I saw him do that, I'm like, look at this guy. He's just, he's not as he's smoking like right up until the time he's about to sing, which I would be completely paranoid. But I've always pictured that in my head that that's what I was going to do if I was ever on a show singing. I was going to take the puff and flick it. Then nobody would ever know where I ripped that off from. Only a lunatic. And in fact, the only people I could ever know where I ripped that off from would be one of you guys who listens to this podcast exclusively. And like, wait, he ripped that off from the Letterman thing. You know, like, (laughs) and even then you'd be like, no, that's, why would he, he couldn't possibly. I mean, isn't that the stupidest thing? I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, even though smoking cigarettes ain't cool, kids. But it was cool. It was just through the cigarette on the TV set. There was the thing. Like, it's like, you know, usually they're like, please don't smoke back here. And he's like, oh, fuck yourself. Where's the party? She's always been a good, good girl. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's, it's truly like if he was better looking, it would be like Danny. What the fuck is Danny's name in uh, Greece? John Travolta's name. Uh, Danny. Jeez, I can't remember his last name because no one cares. But I'm just saying it would be like his ca- his actual Grease character <laughs> if John Tavolta's actual Grease character made albums. That's the way I picture Eddie Money is like, you know? I mean, it's the greatest when your, like, fifth album is just called Where's the Party? And the, and, the, and the album cover is you on the phone looking for the party. And you're in a jacket and tie. What's fucking better than that? Nothing! That's awesome! I miss you, man. I really do. I love the guy. Uh, let's move on because we're running out of time. Uh, I just want to tell you what I've been doing. I uh, Again, I know the podcast has been very Olga Namer oriented lately, like seriously. But uh, I just have to tell you that while we were away, I went. I, I didn't remember I was invited to her wedding, as you heard last week. I didn't go to the wedding, but I went the day before because I was down the beach. And I was very nervous because, you know, they have money they're men with jobs jerry and i met her entire sect and her entire family and it was fascinating the first thing we do is we go to this guy's house and i'm like where is it it's like it's like number two whatever i'm like no no this is right on the beach it was like she told me to meet her at this guy's house the house is directly on the beach you think when i talk about dave elliott's cabana i thought that was this house is on the beach when you're on the beach, if you're next to their house, you're like on their property. It was massive and way cool. So right away you realize there's some money here. And then you walk. I guess this is what the Hamptons must be like or in California, Malibu or something. You walk to the left a little bit and we go to this other guy's house who turns out uh, I know the guy's. It's the guy's grandparents who I know this guy, Joe Harari, who's terrific. Uh, he's the manager of the Stand Comedy Club here in the city, uh, unfortunately, where the, the owner was killed and murdered by his nanny's boyfriend about a month ago, uh, if you heard that story. If not, look look that up. It's pretty damn unbelievably horrible. Um, but uh, so I'm at this guy's house, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm in your sect. And then I told him I was at his grandmother's house. He's like, why are you at my grandmother's house? I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing you see in like cruel intentions we're like well we met at grandmother's party and then we just decided to go out no that's legally blonde we met at wall i can't remember what's his name what's the villain's name in uh legally blonde 
not the villain, not uh, Callahan. Uh, the guy she's uh, the guy she goes to school for. What's his name? I can't think of it. Oh, can you imagine me not being able to think of it? Well, it's not clueless. Uh, but she, uh, well, we met at her grandmother's party, and then we just decided we were getting engaged. Um, that's what it's like. So I was with all these people, and they're just standing, and they have this big patio right on the beach. And uh, fascinating. They're, they're, you know, meet all these kids, and then talking to this one kid, and I'm like, oh, I'm from Edison, New Jersey. He goes, oh, I got a warehouse in Edison. I own a, I own a warehouse in Edison. I've never been there. I, I heard it's nice. And I'm like, you, you've never been to your own warehouse? Nah, there's a couple of them around. I never, never show up. I mean, it's like, it's like something out of Arthur or something. It was really, really funny. Anyway... I go to her house. I meet her parents. Uh, then we go to her brother's party, you know, because he's getting married. And, you know, the, she has like five other brothers and sisters and stuff. And everyone there, it's like kind of like a Stepford Wives thing, but it's not It's not like that. But it's like, I don't, I don't know what else to describe it. It's everyone's coupled up, you know, except Olga. And there's one guy left for her to marry. And everybody wants her to get married to this guy. Otherwise, it's over for her. And and in this sense, and I bring this up because it's like I, I can see her complete dilemma and why she would be completely, possibly insane, not in a, in a good way, but conflicted. I was there when the guy's mother, who they want her to marry, who was very nice, you know, everybody, parents are my age, so it's easy to talk to them, uh, who was like, well, we really want her to marry my son, but she has to quit this ridiculous comedy notion. Can you imagine? Hey, that's tough on somebody. Well, if she really wants to marry him, she's not going to be able to do comedy on Fridays and Saturdays, at least. She cannot work on Fridays and Saturdays if she goes into this community. So a lot of times she says to herself, I should just marry this guy and and let's call it quits. But I'm not going to let her because she. I think she's got talent. I think she's got to make a push because otherwise that's the regret forever. Yeah, yeah, you'll live comfortably forever. So that's the ultimate question. You'll live comfortably forever. You'll never have to worry about money and whatever. And you'll, you know, you'll just have kids and you'll live this life. But you will live the what if. Only because you were the one to break away. No one else knows what else is out there. So they're all there. All very nice. All together. All, all almost 30 and have three kids already. Fascinating. You know, that's, that's what they do. They're all very pleasant time. Everybody there. The, I was at her brother's new house. Which they only—they're not even there during the winter, you know. That's only their summer place. But it's a regular house. It's not on the beach or anything. It's just in this place, this township. And next door, his father moved next door so he could be closer. And his mother, I mean, it's just so. Or his father-in-law moved closer. I mean, they all live next to each other. It's kind of great if you have this extended family. Unfortunately, it's, you know, that's it. We don't have any dealings with outsiders. I mean, they were kind enough to bring me in. I wonder if it would have been the same experience. My guess is no, if I wasn't Jewish. So I think being Jewish was very helpful. But, um, but you you know, I mean, there is a real conflict there. I feel bad because it's like one of those things. I mean, at this point in my life, if I had that choice, I'd probably choose the latter. But I think she's got to give it a shot. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Now you've heard her on two podcasts like within a month. So I'm, I'm I'm sorry if you don't like her for some reason, but uh, but you know it's an interesting, a very interesting story, and uh, what you know what's she gonna do? So I'm I am really thinking about managing her and Elon 
Why not? I don't know. You know, if I can't hook myself up, these kids are good enough where I could feel comfortable saying I got some good kids. Not like I'm going to look like a jerk off. I'm, th- I'm thinking about putting a tour for us together. I'll host the show. I'll put these kids on. We'll find somebody else. Oh, my God. We met this new girl the other day. Um, I don't know what that was. We met this new girl who's so hot, and she does comedy now. Um, her name is Natalie. And she's just stunning. She just moved back from California. She gets a whole bunch of spots. She's not ready, you know, comedy-wise yet, you know. You know, maybe she she can work it out, but you know, she just gets spots, and people are like, "Why is she getting so many spots?" I'm like, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> and she's just really nice. But the funny thing is, so last Monday, Murphy and I, you know, uh, you know, Monday Night Wings, Monday Night Wings. You guys know the story, Monday Night Wings. But we're not going to Lansdowne Road anymore because they changed the recipe. So we said, "Screw that place." Now we have a Monday nights. I'm always at the comic strip. I perform at the comic strip Monday nights which is great. This guy Ryan has given me this opportunity. So me and Murphy, and I don't know what happened, but once the calendar changed to September, all these super hot girls have come back to do these the comedy again. So he puts them all on the show, and Murphy and I talk on the phone the next day. We're like, boy, we are really lucky he lets these two old men in to perform with these ridiculously hot girls. You know, it's like it's all hot girls and me and Murphy. Chris Murphy, who I'm going to have on the show uh, soon. Uh, it's just really funny, and we just couldn't be happier because we're just glad to be involved with anything. You know, we don't get paid. We don't care. And then we're like, all right, we got to find a new place to get wings. So we tried this place called the Stumble Inn on the east side because they, you know, the, the other place we were going to go, which is a sports bar, they stopped serving food at 10 o'clock for, for Monday night. It's a sports bar. On a Monday night football, they start serving food. What a bunch of jerk-offs. So we went to this place. We're going to try this place. Meanwhile, we bought this ridiculously hot girl with us. I, you can look her. Her name's Natalie Cuomo. Um, you'll see what I'm saying. But it's so funny because now everybody wanted to come with us because she was coming. Uh, you know, it's like these guys are like, I didn't know that guy hung out. I'm like, he only hung out because Natalie was, are you kidding? It's really funny. And we've told her that. And she goes, you know, um, I noticed that more people are coming out afterwards now. And I'm like, you know, like yeah, because it's you. It's, it's just really funny. Uh, so anyway, we all went to this place and Murphy and I were, you know, leading the charge in this case because we wanted to try the wings, but Natalie was sitting with us. So it was funny because we got the wings and they were not bad. We could make this our place. The blue cheese wasn't very good. It's, it's, I don't think it's regular blue cheese. I think it's ranch, but they're fooling us. Um, but we both said later when we, we called each other when we got home, we're like, yeah, I wish that girl, I was glad that girl came, but I was also wish she wasn't there because we didn't want to eat as much in front of her, which is probably a good thing. But it's like I ordered, they come in 16 wings, I don't know, and I probably only had eight because I was embarrassed. He he felt the same way. We didn't want to eat in front of her. It looked like it. I mean, she was eating too, but it's just so funny when somebody's there like that looks like that. You're just like, oh, no, I'm just trying them out. I don't usually eat wings. on. Are you kidding? I usually eat salads and uh, vegetables. You know, I'm more of a vegetarian type. Uh, You know, it's just so funny and uh but it was a really good time and uh she actually asked me she was very kind I, and and so uh again this comes out after the show so i've been trying to find some a bit to do with her on my monday night show i'll let you know uh next next week we're gonna have uh rachel feinstein and um and marina franklin on the show but uh 
Uh, the week after, I'll let you know what happened if I thought of something. And it's one of those things for sure where, like, the guys are like, why would he bring that girl up? I mean, the girls would be like, why? And the guys would be like, are you kidding? <laughs> uh, what's wrong? I mean, Bob Hope used to do it. What's wrong with putting a pretty girl on a show? What's wrong with that? Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? I mean, we're not going to have her in a bikini. Uh, but, no, she's nice, too. So uh, it's just really funny. There's just one hot girl after the next, and none of this would have happened if Sarah Silverman hadn't just started all this. I hate her. <laughs> Sarah Silverman started all this, that um, all these ridiculous... So, you know what I realized? Because there was another pretty girl on Wednesday that came out. The, the, all these girls I'd never even met. That now, because and it's Sarah's fault, and, and and then partly Amy Schumer at this point. Uh, now all these girls that I think would normally just be actresses are all coming to give stand-up comedy try, which is a very smart move. Why not? You know, because then you don't have to worry about scripts, other people. You're your own person. You just have to get spots. And if you're pretty, you're going to get the spots. As, as sexist as that sounds, it's just a fact. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, the, I mean, listen, that's how... You know, Sarah got certainly more stuff than I did uh, at the time because she was pretty and, you know, you just want to talk to her and then she's got to figure out a way to make it stick. You know, then there's the other part where, you know, you got to prove it too. But, you know, certainly being pretty gets your foot in the door and that goes for guys too. Uh, so, you know, the fact that Atel and Jeff Ross are successful you know, shows you how talented they are. <laughs> because uh, for guys like us, it has not been easy. So if I ever make it, it'll really be a goddamn miracle. And it's certainly not going to be because of the hair. Because that, uh, I don't know. I mean, it does, there's a picture of me in the refrigerator just before I got it done. And maybe it did work. I don't know. I guess I just thought it would be better. Whatever. Anyway, uh, but that's the story about uh Oh, so I also went to the U.S. Open. Elon was kind enough to take me to the U.S. Open, which I'd never been to before. And uh, boy, was that great. It was the most perfect night. All I've been commenting is the weather's just been perfect weather. And that day when we were at the U.S. Open and uh, we saw Coco play and uh, uh, with the guy that actually won, um, Nat, Nat, I can't think of his name, but Nat, whatever, he punked out his uh, opponent left. No, no, no. It was the guy that actually retired, I think, or something. And anyway, he left, so he wasn't. We didn't get to see the really big match that we wanted to see. But um, boy, what a great grounds that U.S. Open area right by City Field. It was so nice, so easy to get to. What a pleasant, pleasant day that was. And I got a call from uh, Amy Yazbek while I was there, which I wouldn't pick up the phone during. You know, you don't want to talk on the phone to tennis. Nobody's talking on their phones. But I, I didn't know why she was coming. This is John Ritter's widow. And she, you know, she's never called before. I'm like, hello. And then, you know, it's it's exciting. She, you know, I'm glad she called. I'm like, I'm at the U.S. Open. I really can't talk. She's like, oh, look at you. Oh. And, I, you know, that's the perfect thing to uh, when somebody calls for the first time and you're like, what, what do they want? I'll just tell them I'm at the Open. That means it looks like I have something going on. But I'm helping her with um, her. I'm actually helping her with her. She runs this, uh, the Ritter Run, I think. It's, you know, a charity event for what her husband died of. Uh, the aortic uh, situation or something. So I'm helping her throw this charity event, if you can believe it, here in the city, because that's what I do now. 
I help others. I don't make any money doing it. So I helped her get a place for this event. And then I helped my friend Evan try and um, get uh, somebody to interview Chelsea Handler at this reading event. And then I'm helping my friend, my old friend Rick Newman with a project I'll tell you more about later. And uh, I'm helping all these people do all this stuff. And I was helping uh, Judy Gold's kid get a job. I'm helping all these people. I mean, it's my pleasure to do. I'm not just doing it for doing it. They're all nice and I think I can help them. But it's just kind of funny, which is why I guess it all leads to where I should probably be a manager. It would make sense. And then who was I thinking of that said they used to be a manager for a long time or, or they were a manager for something? Who was it? I was just watching a a documentary or something and they said somebody was a manager and, and they were a very you know, successful actor and they just said they managed some people for a while. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but that also being said, I have been sending out turbocharge for your FYI to try and get on some sort of streaming venue. Um, uh, but so far, <laughs> so far, um, I, I, I guess uh, people don't feel the way we do about it uh, so far. So I'll try all my, uh, all my contacts and then we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that uh works out uh i'll tell you one other thing today um that's uh, so interesting i'm such a strange person i don't have to tell you that and uh my sister and i are very much alike and yesterday being friday the 13th um i heard two stories that had absolutely nothing to do with me and i went off the handle in anger. And this is why I guess people say, I want to tell you this, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you angry. And I'm like, oh, no. What's that all about? Um, it, it's funny that people know it's going to... And, and remember, I'm getting angry. It has nothing to do with me. So why am I getting angry when other people get screwed? It's like weird. Um, so first, my friend Lee called me, Lee Maracas. And I'm so angry at this thing. His wife, such an idiot. She got him a Father's Day gift. Three tickets to the Mets game so he can take his daughters to the Mets game, which is a lovely gift. However, you idiot. She got it for uh, she got this in June, so she picked it up in May. Got the ticket. No, probably in June. And didn't check Lee's beloved Giants schedule, which Lee worships, going to the games and tailgating. And it's tomorrow or, you know, yesterday, it's this past Sunday, we were supposed to go to the opening day of tailgate and she's got tickets. She gets tickets for the kids. So, of course, I was angry about that, but that does affect me. So that's different. But that happened a long time ago. I knew we weren't going to the tailgate. But I was actually relieved since I had a show the next day. It was no big deal. I'm just like, how could your wife be so stupid as to make sure she does? It's September. You don't think to check your husband's giant schedule? You know, that's all he wanted in his life when he was working. I mean, he's fired, too. So we're all both together. But when he was working, that's all he would look forward to is the Giants games. You don't check that schedule. She had to pick a Sunday game. It couldn't be a Saturday game. 
How do you not think on Sundays my husband goes, he loves tailgating. She comes with us sometimes. I don't know how you didn't think about that. I know it's in June, but I don't care. When I schedule a show in advance, I look up the sporting schedules and I look up the Jewish holidays. I mean, just anyway, anyway, that was all I knew about this in July and the schedule was already out. We knew we couldn't make the first game, which sucks because that's the best tailgating day is tomorrow. It's going to be the most perfect weather. So then he calls me this. Oh, I think this is going to drive everybody crazy. It can't just be me. Then he calls me and he says, um, the Mets game Sunday was moved to 7 p.m. So now I can't take the girls. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. I'm trying to keep my cool right now as I say it. The Mets game was moved. ESPN, these motherfuckers moved the game and spoiled everybody's Sunday beautiful one o'clock day game to a stupid night game that no one wants especially in September when they have Sunday night football. No one likes Sunday night baseball. No one. These money-grubbing jerk-offs rescheduled the Mets game he had planned for his kids for 7 o'clock, so then the whole thing is screwed from three or four months in advance. I'm livid, and again, it doesn't affect me in the least, but I'm like, this poor guy gave up his tickets. He gave him the charity he, you know, and 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 now he, he can't go to the tailgate and he can't go to the game and now he can't even go to the Mets game. Calls up the Mets organization. He's like, you guys suck. And they're like, oh, well, we can give you these games. We can give you a Friday night game, but you'll be two rows back. And I'm like, that's it? That's all they offered you? I mean, I, I was, I mean, I, I, I can't even take it. It's like, I, it, it shouldn't bother me, but it just. It's so disrespectful, that stupid, it's not just the Mets, you know, everybody's part of this, but I, I told them, I'm like, listen, you call up there, now you write a letter to that stupid president of the dumb Mets, and you tell them, this is dumb, you can screw ESPN, I've had these tickets, I was taking my daughter, you better get me some prime-ass tickets by the end of the year, I, 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 I want to write it myself, I'm so angry, two rows further back. What a bunch of assholes. I swear to God. And it's not just the Mets organization. It's ESPN. And they're stupid. So it's all the Major League Baseball. It's a bag of shit. Sunday night baseball. Baseball games don't need to be moved unless it's a rain a rain out. The Sunday night football, we get that move. But they tell you at least two or three weeks in advance and everybody's expecting it. No one is expecting the New York Mets game to be moved to a primetime game. They stink. I know they're in the running for the wild card, but we know they're going to blow it. Oh, it's so, but it's it's Mets Dodgers. I get it. Oh, it's so annoying. And I it, sh- it shouldn't bother me. So then it gets worse. He calls me at 5 o'clock and he goes, hey, we're heading to the game. No, he calls me at 6.50 and he goes, we're heading to the game. And I'm like, what do you mean you're heading to the game? I'm like, what? You, you just said you why are you going to the game now this was last night he goes why are you going why are you there you're not even there yet the game starts in 10 minutes why didn't you get there at five o'clock and walk the girls around the stadium because they don't want to see the whole game and he's like well there was an incident i'm like oh my god i hate you she goes one of the girls had lice and we had to take care of them like i like i get that you know it's a thing but this poor guy i mean he must have had the worst friday the 13th ever 
I mean, I know that's something you can't predict. This happens, whatever. But it's like his whole wife's plan from June has been ruined from the start. And for some reason, all of this is bothering me. Why? But why don't you like me? I'm charming. I'm witty. I drift. But John... And the other thing that happened is that Billy, my nephew, who's turning 17, who turned 17 on Friday the 13th, had his driving test on Friday the 13th, and he failed. Now, for me, that would have been a disaster. My birthday was late, too. And I remember I was driving. I some, There was a slip-up in what happened to me when I was 15. We drive at 17 in Jersey. There was a slip-up, and I got through the cracks, and I started taking driver's ed test in school when I was like 15. So I had been driving, you know, my parents around or whatever, or doing all the drives since I was 15. So for two years, I was waiting to get my license. If I had failed that test on my birthday, I might have committed suicide right then and there because seriously, it, it, my mother was so panicked because she knows I, this was going to, you know, I'd been driving for way too long with a permit. Nobody's supposed to do that. You know, maybe you're supposed to be driving for a year. It had been two years. I mean, I deserved to be driving by myself whenever I wanted to, you know, that on my birthday that I turned 17. Fortunately, I passed. Meanwhile, Billy failed, but then my sister told me what happened. She hired a driving instructor, whatever they pay a driving school or whatever. This guy's supposed to pick him up, take him to the test, all this stuff. The guy shows up a half hour late with the music blasting. And my sister's like, where the fuck were you? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's cool. Don't worry. They don't go by timing, you know. And she's like, what are you fucking talking about, you freak? She, Billy's like, mom, please don't say anything. She's like, keeps her cool, right? So I'm already angry. I'm pissed. This guy's not apologizing. And then he goes, yeah, we just need a couple of things. His birth certificate. He said, like, stuff he didn't tell him. In advance, this stupid driving school you're paying money for, they don't tell him the papers he needs. In advance, he's got to go searching around. So he's late to the test. He's obviously stressed during the test because this fucking idiot, this kid is driving him around. He's a half hour late. Can you imagine? You, you know, there's so much pressure on you already, and he fails. And he's an idiot anyway, so he fails. Of course he's going to fail. That's too much pressure for anybody. So. I'm so upset for him, except I just uh, I don't think he cares. I don't think it was like me. I don't think he gives a crap about driving. I, I don't know why. I just don't get that feeling. It's not like when I was driving where I desperately want Dory doesn't care. I think Liza might have cared. I don't know. But, I mean, I am so angry at this stupid driving school. I have these visions today where I wanted to go to the guy's car, take him out of the fucking window and throw him on the ground if he came up there with the music blasting, speeding up, and he's going to put my kid in the car and take him to his driving test, I would have punched him in the face. I would have dragged him out of the window like in Reservoir Dogs and thrown him on my grass. And I I, I don't know how my sister kept her cool because she's worse than I am. And she left some real nasty messages for these people, and apparently they called her back and said, well, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. You know, and I'm like, oh, just... Get your money back and take them there yourself, whatever. I don't know. I'm so angry. And for what reason? It doesn't affect me in the least. Or maybe what it is is I just get angry when these kind of things happen to people that, I don't know, can't help themselves. 
I want to help them. I don't. I've always been like this. I guess I just it, I just get pissed when other people are in peril. It drives me insane, and I just want to help, and it's none of my business. So why does it bother me so much? What the hell's the matter with me? Oh, my God. I have to relax, right? I'm really out of my mind. I think I really lost it. Oh, God. Uh, so what now? I don't know. I actually... Uh, now I got. Now I got to relax. <laughs> like I'm glad I saved that to the end because I'm like tired. Now I'm still angry. I got angry again. I was having a good time. I don't know. Is that? Oh, I guess that's it, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, how could we not end on this? I guess. Well, that's today's show. Everybody, the that I fly, Dave Jessica. I mean, I don't have anything to report. Um, I mean, everything's good. I guess you know, uh, since my show had already happened the day before, I, I don't have anything to promote. Um. I just, um, you know, hope I get some more shows. I'm, I'm, I'm starting a website. I'm starting. I put the preliminary motions to a website, and then we can become closer and, you know, engage with each other and talk some more, even off the air. Uh, and I can, uh, I don't know. We'll figure it all out, right? Figure it out as we go. So next week, Marina, Franklin, and Rachel Feinstein live at the Comedy Cellar. I've been trying to tape some more shows at the Comedy Cellar for fun because it, you know, I like it there. So uh, I'll probably tape some. I'm trying. I, it was a little test. And I'm trying to get some better guests so they don't have to come over my house, you know, where it might be awkward or, or people I don't want to come over my house. I mean, now that Artie Lang is out of rehab, maybe we'll have him on. Huh? Well, we'll see. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for a wonderful evening of laughs music and comedy and drama and antics on an all-new Nightfly with me, Dave Jusko. And uh, we'll see each other again uh, alone like this in two weeks, but please enjoy next week uh, Rachel Feinstein, Marina Franklin Live at the Comedy Cellar. I will see everybody next week on the Nightfly. Good night, everybody.